0: How do I go to a dinner and not drink? Like what do I order? Like we just simply have never been exposed to that before. Every time we get through one of those situations, we gain a little bit more confidence. We gain a little bit more um, like insight into how we can navigate those situations.
1: Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry, and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a Clear Headed Podcast. Today's information-packed conversation is with Dr. Brooke, the founder of Functional Sobriety. I don't know about you, but supplements haven't been at the top of my list throughout my sober journey, but they will be and they are after this conversation. Dr. Brooke also has a book coming out and you can pre-order it today in the link in the description. So, I'll start with just the way that I start every conversation, which is if you can time travel with me and think about when you realized alcohol was no longer serving you, what was that moment or moments like?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And looking back and time traveling, (laughs) I would say there were many moments where, you know, I was kind of on my knees if you will in in terms of knowing that alcohol was no longer serving my life. And I got sober in June of 2021, so a little over 2 years ago at the time of this recording. And if you had asked me then if I would be sober 2 years later, <laughs> um you know, I couldn't I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't envision a life without alcohol. I had started drinking when I was 13. And, um, you know, as a teenager became a pretty regular drinker, um, and that, that behavior really just carried through into my, my adult years. And, um, you know, when it, it came down to it, there were probably many moments where I knew that alcohol wasn't serving my life, but it took me a long time to get to that moment of awareness that this was really sabotaging me and not just, mm. not just something that was, you know, making me uncomfortable or was, you know, getting in the way of things, but was really holding me back from being the person that I wanted to be and achieving the things that I wanted to achieve in my life.
1: What was the first like choice that you made? Do you remember what your first step was in terms of like, okay, I'm gonna stay home, or I'm not gonna go out to my happy hour anymore, or I'm gonna pour out the wine in my fridge? Did you take any, like, what was your first step to kind of making that pivot?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, on the day that I, um, that I was my first day sober that, you know, I woke up that morning, feeling like crap, as I had many, many days um, before. And I uh, at the time was was in a relationship with someone who didn't necessarily like approach me in the sense of hey you have a problem you need to get help X y and Z but had brought up to me that I had drank a lot the entire weekend and um, you know I had known things had really escalated for me in probably the last two or three months even of my drinking. And this was all during the pandemic. This was 2021. So kind of end of that isolation, you know, period of the pandemic. But, um, you know, this person brought up to me in a very kind and loving way that I had drank all weekend. And I think it it ultimately what, what had shifted in that conversation was I had already known that it, it was kind of the end was near. I could kind of feel it and um when when this conversation was had it was almost like I kind of felt like I was able to like breathe like I kind of felt like Mm. hmm okay like someone else sees this someone else knows this is going on and again it wasn't like a you need help, I, mm-hmm. a lot of times when I tell my story, it's, you know, I didn't get a DUI, I didn't lose a job, I didn't, you know, nothing kind of earth shattering had happened, which, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it we have to get to that place in order for yeah. us to like, feel like we need to, you know, make a change. But I always share in my story that, gosh, if I had the support that I hope that I can give people today, earlier on, like, I hope that, you know, people can quit before they get to that place of really feeling like, you know, there is no other way. And for me, um, you know, on my first day of sobriety, I I went into an AA meeting, and that really helped me, um, you know, just start to identify and find a community of people that, um, that I could learn from, because a lot of it was just learning how to live life without alcohol. Not only had I, lived my entire life with alcohol, but I had surrounded myself with people who had done the same. And so, you know, one of the big things that I talk about, and part of the reason why I launched my online community, which is all based around nutrition and um, wellness kind of avenues to sobriety, is because finding that community of like minded people is so important, especially early on in that journey of like, seeing other people do it. And like, finding other things to do that aren't going out and drinking. And so I think, you know, if I could say one thing that, that, you know, if you could do one thing today, it would be to start connecting with people who are either non-drinkers or also sober curious and can show you the way of a sober lifestyle.
1: I so agree with that. The community aspect in early sobriety for sure, but it really is a, I mean, I find that community nurtures me throughout. I'm, I'll be three years in November, which a two, I can't believe that like, if you would have been like, okay, it's gonna like stick this time that I would have even believed it. But I think the reason why it has stuck is because I've really made a conscious effort to surround not only my physical world, but my social world, my feed, the shows that I watch, all to really inform me and make me feel less alone. Because truth is, is we're really not alone. I think people who are curious, sober curious, don't like their relationship with alcohol, are uh, the rule, not really the exception. So I, I love that. And It's so interesting because knowledge is such power, and I feel like you can really attest to that. Is that the right word, attest to? I
0: think so. I
1: think that works. Yeah, right? Sometimes I'm like, is that a real word or not? I don't know, but it works. We (laughs) get it. We're on this boat together. We're going. We're going. You're so knowledgeable. Like, you have so much knowledge, have I mean specifically like functional sobriety We're de- I definitely want to get to that but I guess so I want to start with like how did you get to it like how did you make the choice to move in that direction and it might be kind of a naive question but I, to me that seems so quick like two years of not drinking and you have this incredible passionate full-bodied business that is so detailed. How did you get Mm. there?
0: Well, thank you. Um, You know, I I don't think it's a mistake how things kind of ended up for me, because there's just there's way too many uh, synchronicities in terms of how this is all kind of evolved for me. And what, you know, I oftentimes I'm telling my story, I share that for a really long time, I felt like I lived a double life because Mm -hmm. I was a doctor of nutrition before I quit drinking. Right. So I had 10 plus years of training in nutrition. Meanwhile, alcohol is technically a macronutrient. So, like, alcohol is a nutrition topic. Right. Uh-huh. We can't kind of separate those two things because, you know, and it's interesting because sometimes I get that, you know, you're not a medical doctor or kind of pushback of like the training on alcohol. I mean, like it's, it's a nutrition topic, right? So it's yeah. really important that we think of it in the sense of it being connected to our metabolism, how our body is breaking things down that we're taking in like other beverages and foods, you know, it's part of this kind of nutrition, like a broader topic. And so I had been working as a functional medicine practitioner of nutrition and clinical practice for many years. And you know, while I didn't directly deal with alcohol specifically or or people who were struggling with that, a lot of people were still heavy drinkers, right? And the funny thing is that in the wellness world, in the healthcare space, you know, people will be ready to take all the supplements, do all the, you know, hardcore diets, do all the crazy workouts, buy all yes. the fancy machines, but we don't want to take away the alcohol, right? And The alcohol is one of the biggest things that can have an impact because it is, we're putting it in our body at such high amounts. For many of us, we're putting it in, in large quantities on a regular basis, on a frequent basis. And so it's something that really is playing a role in our health outcomes. You know, the things that we experience, not only short term, so not only just the feeling of a hangover, but you know, how it's affecting our gut long-term, our brain long-term, our hormones all of these different kinds of symptoms or even diagnoses that maybe we're receiving when we go to the doctor, we're not necessarily connecting that to our alcohol use history. And that's really where, you know, when I got sober, um, you know, and the irony is actually, I I authored a textbook chapter on nutrition and supplementation for substance use disorders prior to my quitting drinking. The book actually published the month I got sober, and those what? two things were not connected. So I didn't, Whoa. I didn't like intentionally say like, oh, this book is published. I should get sober now. Um, they kind of just, that time in my life, that, that June of 2021, there was just like a lot of stuff swirling. I had quit my job and I was starting my own business. Um, that book had published. I got sober. There was like a lot of shift and transformation happening around that time in my life. And it was about three months into my sobriety. It was September of 2021. And I'm sitting on my couch one evening and it was like, I got hit by um, a meteor of inspiration. And I was like, I have to write a book about this. Nobody is talking about this topic. No one's talking about the importance of nutrition as it relates to this current conversation around sobriety and sober curiosity. And I picked up my laptop, I found an agent, I reached out, I started writing a proposal and uh, my book is actually currently on pre-sale. So July 24th is the official pre-order launch and the book publishes in December of this year. So yeah, so very exciting. exciting, And it seems like...
1: This will be airing on the twenty fourth. So on okay, today. So, today, so if, you're if you're listening today. Today
0: is the big day. I'll um put you the can link officially in the description. Pre-order the book as of today. And um yeah, you know, it it seems like maybe it was quick. And I mean I'm still learning things about sobriety every single day, but my background is all in this topic. So essentially what I have done is is I started to apply all of that knowledge in nutrition and functional medicine toward alcohol and how alcohol affects us, which is what really inspired the creation of functional sobriety is taking that really functional root cause approach to not only supporting changing our relationship with alcohol, but how we go ahead and heal the body from that history of long-term alcohol use.
1: Gosh, it's so needed. And that is... I want to say that that's crazy, but I think it's just aligned. I think mm-hmm. that the craziest stories are how you get to where you are. And I feel like most of the time it's a, a better version of yourself, a more clear version of yourself. Like you're aligned with your truest, uh, you're aligned with your truest potential. And I am so glad that you went and followed that like download of info and Inspo. Mm-hmm. And went and created it, and I'm really excited to order it. I can't Thank wait you. to just read about everything.
0: Yeah, so um, it's called How to Eat to Change How You Drink. and Brilliant. <laughs> Thank brilliant. You. Thank you. And it is exactly that. It, it goes through a lot of the kind of basics of nutrition and how alcohol and nutrition kind of play a role with one another. It goes through a bit of my story and kind of how I ended up where I did and how I created functional sobriety. It then gets into the different parts of the body that I focus on in my approach. So the brain, um, nutrition as a whole, but also nutrition and certain nutrients that affect our mood and our alcohol cravings and everything along those lines, the gut and how alcohol affects our gut health, our gut microbiome, but also our hormones, our blood sugar our metabolism and kind of all these different areas and then the third part is a guide a 30-day guide to um, supporting your nutrition for either again changing alcohol or healing from alcohol a deep dive in supplements which is one of my favorite topics and then 50 recipes as well that support your journey so yeah it's really exciting
1: Ooh, whoa it's a,
0: yeah it's like my baby my oh, I can't wait to give goodness. birth to it. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh I can't I'm here expecting I can't wait to the delivery um that is so awesome I thank you I love just like the through line that I'm hearing in your story is that you kind of listen to your gut (laughs) and like no pun intended but pun kind of intended because it does Mm -hmm. kind of start in your in your gut the way that you Mm -hmm. feel your gut health the supplements Mm. that you put into your body the booze that you don't put into your body and um I feel like, for me, I've been able to listen to my body a lot more clearly because it's not hungover, I'm not in pain, I'm not ready to escape it, you know, all the things that we experience, whether we're familiar with it from, like, a weekend bender to, like, a lifetime bender. Yeah. Um, so the thing that – I'm so curious because – I say all of that, the hangover and all of that, and it does take time for your body to recover. And I really do think that just like you ice your muscles or you, you know, do anything else to help your body to heal, it's important to internally do that when you stop drinking. What is like, what has your journey been as somebody who's so close to all of these resources and had all this knowledge? Like, what was your own recovery physically like? Mm -hmm. Um, and was that kind of like, were you kind of like your own guinea pig for lack of a better term on how to help with these things that are so common, like sugar cravings and low mood Mm -hmm. and anxiety?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we learn best on ourselves. So, um, I I'm always guinea pigging myself for sure. I think so many people that are interested in, nutrition and wellness as a whole love to be the guinea pig for some of these things um so i am i am no different and i'm really grateful for that experience in writing that textbook chapter because it really did help me in my early stages of again i you know i paired nutrition along with again finding community and some of these other uh, really important things that i think are critical to to sobriety and and a holistic approach to sobriety or even sober curiosity. But, um, you know, I talk a lot about things like supplementation for alcohol cravings, but also sugar cravings. So I have a supplement available through my store on my site. It's called my craving crusher. Uh, It's a, an amino acid supplement that can help with cravings and is really great at like on an as needed basis. So you take a little bit, you put it under your tongue and it within a few minutes can, can help with managing cravings. So that was something that, um, through a lot of my research in, in writing that initial book, that initial chapter, um, had come up for me, but you know, in doing a lot of things to support healing my liver, I, I've had long-term elevated liver enzymes which you know cannot be isolated from the fact that I was putting a lot of alcohol in my body. And right. so I've, I'm kind of, for many years, had been putting myself on protocols, supplement protocols mm-hmm. and things to heal my body. And like a lot of other people who are drinkers or have a history of drinking and are also interested in, in health and nutrition, Um, I think a lot of times we'll do detoxes or cleanses or take different supplements to say like, oh, well, because I'm drinking alcohol, I'm going to overcompensate in this way. But the reality and what the research really shows is that you know alcohol is so damaging and toxic to the system that we're likely probably not even breaking even if we're taking supplements and trying to kind of reverse those effects, that alcohol is so detrimental to the system that unfortunately it may not be doing as much. We might be taking those supplements, but really wasting maybe some of that effort and money, if you will, um, because the alcohol is still, you know, having a pretty big effect on us. So it's, it's really an interesting, you know, space and world that we live in today because you know now we have products that are like take this and it'll cure your hangover and you know take this pill and and actually i had those ideas many years ago because i was trying to do the same thing i was trying to like prove that you could be healthy and drink alcohol and when it came down to it it was like you know i think what so many people find in this process is it's not really about the drinking. It's not really about the alcohol. It's, you know, how I'm coping with life and feelings and emotions. And, um, and a lot of that is, is biochemical too. So one great example is, you know, if you have anxiety or depression, we often cope with that by drinking, which, Drinking, then again, sabotages some of our nutrients like vitamin D and the B vitamins and magnesium and all of these other vitamins and minerals that actually help to produce serotonin and dopamine in our body, right? So it creates this kind of vicious cycle of continuing to feel that anxiety and depression. So when we get off of that cycle and we can start to replenish some of those nutrients that maybe the body is lacking then we can start to maybe have more successful approach in that sobriety journey.
1: Yes. I mean, it totally makes sense. And it is like – it is totally a hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I ran it for a long time. And I think that out of so many people that I've talked to, I think the common theme is kind of the fear of dealing and navigating their feelings, but more specifically, their anxiety – whether it's social anxiety, whether it's, like, intimate anxiety, um, what do you, like, suggest can be done? I know that it's just, like, sobriety is a fingerprint. I think nutrition is probably as unique as a fingerprint, too. depends on your body. But mm-hmm. what would you say, like, a good tip is for navigating anxiety mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're not drinking? I mean, did you
0: have that? that was one of the main reasons why I needed to quit drinking. My anxiety and depression had gotten pretty extreme. And mm-hmm. if I were to say, if I were to rate it on a scale from one to 10 in my like final days of drinking, my anxiety was probably an eight or a nine. And yeah. within a couple of months after quitting drinking, probably dropped to a three. Mm-hmm. And that is something that again, it's we get caught in that hamster wheel. Right. And part of it is starting to address and to learn like life without alcohol. Like, especially if you're someone who's listening and you have drank your whole life, you started as a teenager, you started young in your twenties where whenever you learned how to cope with not only cope with emotions, but also Mm -hmm. cope with social situations, dating situations, family situations. And so sometimes there's it's just simply fear around the unknown, right? Like, how, how do I go to a dinner and not drink? Like, what do I order? What How do I sit there if other people are not drinking? Like, we just simply have never been exposed to that before. And so we're like, that. that's just a fearful experience because we don't know how to get through it. So one of the things that I always talk to, to my group about and my clients about is like, every time we get through one of those situations, we gain a little bit more confidence. We gain a little bit more um, like insight into how we can navigate those situations. And what most people find more often than not, people say, oh, I was worried about nothing. You know, I'm worried about what people are going to say, or I'm worried about, you know, if someone's going to ask me why I'm not drinking and, you know, how I'm going to answer or respond, or what if they peer pressure me and what am I going to do in that situation? And like I said, 95 maybe even more percent of the time, it's not that experience, right? The people are curious because they maybe want to cut back or, you know, they say, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Or I've had people say, gosh, I wish I could do that. Right. Mm. And I say, well, you can, you just have to, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle change, right? It is. And, um, and so getting through some of those situations helps with breaking down that anxiety, right? Cause some of it is just, again, simply fear of the unknown, yeah. but there is also a very real biochemical piece to what's going on when we experience anxiety and depression. And that can root from things like imbalances in the gut microbiome. So there's a very big link between what's going on in the gut and our brain, our mood, um, the development of some of these mood disorders and, um, you know, supporting the gut through things like taking a probiotic or even simply consuming more fiber plays a really mm. important role in the, the healthy microbiome in the gut. But also another big thing, and uh, this is one of my, again, favorite topics, is, is the nutrients that we need in order to support good healthy mood, healthy energy, uh, healthy brain. So again, things like our B vitamins, things like B12 and folate, vitamin B3, B6, all of these B vitamins, um, along with other nutrients like magnesium and zinc, um, things like vitamin D, vitamin C, all these things that were like, oh yeah, I think I heard about vitamin D for <laughs> X, or I think I heard about B vitamins for energy, right? They actually play a really critical role in the development of our serotonin and our dopamine, which are our feel good hormones in the brain. They also play an important role in the stimulation of other neurotransmitters in the brain that help us relax, Right. So yeah. the reason why alcohol does this is because it, it or that makes us feel that way is because it causes this kind of false stimulation of those neurotransmitters. When the reality is, if we're eating the right foods, if we're eating a lot of fruits and veggies with all of those good, healthy vitamins in it, if we are maybe taking a couple of supplements that can help boost those levels, then we can really start to see an improvement in the natural production of those things right? So this is where nutrition can start to play a really important role. And you're right, it is very unique per person. Um, You know, when I do one-on-one client visits, we do testing, we do blood work, we do, you know, we look at neurotransmitter levels in the urine, we start to see like, well, what's actually going on in this person's body? What specifically do they need? But part of the reason why I developed my online programs and, you know, I have a, a supplements through the functional sobriety brand is all really to help support people in like, what are the kind of key things that we all need or that we can all benefit from as part of this process. And again, they are things like those specific nutrients. Um, vitamin D is a big one. Uh, I have a, again, a craving crusher supplement. I have other things that can support the brain and focus and again, provide those nutrients that are going to help support the brain on this process of healing.
1: Gosh, I'm just like sitting here a little mind blown because it ma- it really does. It makes so much sense. Um, you know, and I think when I talk with my friends or people on here, we talk about how you're not getting sober to stay numb and mm-hmm. you're going to have anxiety and you're going to have maybe depression. It depends on your brain chemistry and it depends on a time in your life. And to give yourself the tools to set yourself up for success, to be able to cope with that in a healthy way that is actually coping with it. It isn't just numbing. It isn't just clocking out. You're actually coming to the thing you want to evolve past and helping it through. So, I, I mean, it just so makes sense. It yeah. just Well, really this is...
0: You know, this is really looking at the other piece that we're not talking about often enough, which is the actual biochemistry and the physiology of what's going on in the body. You know, like anxiety and depression, it's really twofold, right? It's, yes, there's a piece of it that's um, situational. There's maybe, you know, external factors in terms of stressors or traumas or things that we've experienced that are contributing to that, but with you know, for me, everything for me is a why, right? Well, what's going on in the body that's allowing that to happen? Because, you know, nowadays, I mean, I don't really know anybody who doesn't experience some level of anxiety on a regular basis. We're being bombarded by social media and advertisements and TV and phones. And, you know, we're like constantly being attacked on our brains. Yes. Um, So we have that, but again, the world that we live in today, you know, most of us aren't eating a pristine diet where we're getting all of the nutrients. There are genetic, you know, differences that everybody has, where maybe I have a greater need for certain nutrients or, um, you know, have greater tendency towards certain things. But also, you know, we have to think about the things that we're putting into our body that are sabotaging us, right? Like alcohol, And it's not one of those things like, for most of us, right? It's not one of those things where it's like, ah, I'm I'm having alcohol like once every here and there. And like, maybe it's not doing much. If you're having alcohol at least once, twice, three plus times a week, that's affecting your biochemistry, right? That's messing with your nutrient levels. It's messing with your gut, It's messing with your brain. And all of those things are then contributing and compounding on those other kind of foundational pieces. Yeah. So it's such an important topic. It it really is, you know, not only for the sobriety community, but anyone who's interested in improving their health, you know, setting themselves up for longevity and, you know, staying as healthy as possible for as long as they can.
1: Yeah. And you can always get You know, I I say this knowing it could sound like an overwhelming sentence, but you can really always get better. You can always push yourself and learn a little bit more how to make your life, your body, your mind just that a little bit better. And um, I think that that's really inspiring because you're never just stuck. You've never reached your max. You can always just keep evolving and you deserve to. And life is long if we're lucky enough to have a long life. And so keep taking care of yourself. Um Absolutely. I'm so freaking fascinated by your knowledge. And I I just am so thankful that you're explaining all of this in such a patient way and in such an I mean digestible way from your website to your courses to your even your social media is like I feel like I leave knowing something that I didn't know or understanding something that I didn't understand before so thank you so much for creating that
0: and well and and that is my hope because this stuff is it's a lot of information and it's a lot for me to even process sometimes to like drill it down and say like okay how do I simplify and because that is the question on everybody's mind is right what one thing can I do or Uh how do I know if this you know particular nutrient is right for me or food is right for me. And then when you, you add in this complexity of alcohol use, you know, one question that I get often is when I quit drinking, how long does it take me to feel good again? Like how long Mm -hmm. does it take until I feel energy or until I feel that improvement in mood that, you know, so many people, um, rave about. And what I'll say is the people who feel really good right after quitting alcohol, that's the exception and not the rule, you know, like it usually takes time for the body to rebalance, especially if you have many years of fairly regular use. Like if you're drinking four or five plus days a week, which by the time, by the way, by the end of my drinking, I was drinking seven days a week. You know, it, it was not always seven days a week. It was probably four or five for a long time and pandemic kind of caused it to creep up more often. And, you know, when we are consuming alcohol that frequently, again, three, four, five days a week, every, every week or so, you have to remember that the body takes time in order to process alcohol out of it. So if we're kind of constantly putting it Mm -hmm. in, we're basically putting, pressing pause on a lot of those other pathways in the body that need to be managed. Right. So things like our hormones, for example, our hormones are a great example because the reproductive system is actually the only system of the body you could remove the entire system and still live. Right. For a woman, you can remove complete hysterectomy. You can remove all of it and we still live. You can't do that with the respiratory system or the cardiovascular system. So anytime the body's in a state of stress, the first thing to go is the rest the reproductive, reproductive. system. Oh my and that's gosh. because if oh. we are in stress, we don't need to reproduce, right? The body goes, not as important, right? So hormones are actually a really big one that are affected by alcohol. Oh. And it's not necessarily one of those big ones that we think is being affected, right? And that goes for women and men. So women can experience things like PMS, heavy periods, you know, hormonal acne is a big one. Um, Women, uh, women going through menopause may be having more extreme symptoms. Maybe they're having more of those hot flashes or more extreme anxiety and depression that's making them want to drink more. But also for men, it can cause testosterone changes. It can cause um, the body to overconvert testosterone into estrogen. So men can start to develop gynecomastia, which is that you know breast tissue that can develop in men. Um, you know, and, and decreases in testosterone can affect things like mood and energy, muscle development and all that kind of stuff. So these are things that we don't necessarily think of as, um, benefits of drinking alcohol, if you will. And it's, you know, it's all for that quick fix. It's not necessarily thinking about what are the long-term outcomes on my body from this type of alcohol use. And mm-hmm. I can relate to that so much because I feel like for so long I was like, well, I'm still young. I'm still young. And yeah, right. still young. <laughs> okay, right. I'm I'm 20. I'm in my early 20s. I'm still young. Okay, maybe get away with that. But like in the late 20s, in the early 30s, yeah. it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not invincible. Mm-hmm. And this amount of alcohol is, you know, there are people who in their 30s develop cirrhosis or you know, can develop some more significant health concerns from this. And it's not always something that's very obviously due to alcohol, like liver cirrhosis, for example. Sometimes it is these hormone imbalances. It's, um, you know, GI disorders, it's IBS, it's yeah. um, Crohn's, it's ulcerative wow. colitis, it's, you know, migraines, headaches, Infertility is another big one that alcohol can yeah. affect. So it's just wow. – it can really, really impact all of the areas of the body. We're just not speaking about this as as frequently as we should be.
1: Yeah, and I do think that there is – because the wellness space where you would learn all of this stuff or the wellness guru that you follow on Instagram where you would get that, you know, typical info from is – having a glass of wine or you're going to a wellness event and champagne is served. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of wellness events in Los Angeles that I have reached out to to see if they have alcohol-free options Mm -hmm. and they haven't even thought about it. And so I think it is just a matter of time where people do get comfortable like you did saying, okay, I'm going to question my own kind of method with this thing. And then you lead by example by really fully changing your relationship with alcohol, and then allowing that knowledge to then be accessible and be talked about. And I I think it is just a a slow burn in a sense, but it also is, I think, evolving very quickly. Thankfully, mm -hmm. the more people like you come out, and that's part of why I
0: I came out to talk about this because, like. I mean, and trust me in the beginning, I, I like I said, I, I felt like I was living a double life for a really long time um, yeah. in drinking the way that I was and having the education and the knowledge that I did. And that's just proof that you can know all of the things and, Ugh, you know, and not be able to necessarily do something about it because alcohol is, it's addictive to everybody who drinks it. If you continue totally. to put it into your system you will continue to fuel these kind of mechanisms that train your body to believe that it is needed for survival, basically. Right. And so, yes, there are genetic components to it, but what's really interesting is as it relates to the genetics part, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, it's not just like, oh, if you have this one, two, or three gene, like you can become more likely or be more likely to develop an alcohol addiction it's, it's across the board. There are all different types of genes that have been associated with alcohol dependency or addiction or developing an alcohol use disorder. So it's not really like there are many people that don't have any alcoholics in the family that develop an alcohol addiction. So it's not, it's not necessarily genes per se. There's a lot of other things. And that can also be due to what else is going, you know, what's going on in the gut, what's going on in the brain for us each individually, that maybe we do have these susceptibilities because of deficiencies or imbalances in the gut that are kind of contributing to that um, concurrent craving for alcohol. And so it is, you know, it's in the wellness space, especially um, it's unfortunate the way that it has, has become so Pervasive in the industry, and part of that is because of those previous media hypes of it being yeah. a health food, right? Totally. And it's going to take time for that belief system to, to, to leave the wellness world. Um, and there's also a lot of people, myself included, who was in the wellness space and was addicted, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, we're always going to find ways to try to make it seem okay. And there's always an audience that's going to, you know, be there for that.
1: Yeah, totally. This is such a juicy conversation. Mm. I could, I really feel like I could talk to you for hours. Um, But I know you have like a job and a career and (laughs) things to do. So I won't keep you much longer. But I do want to ask the final question, which is, what is something currently in your sober care routine? is there a new book you're reading? Is there a new like vitamin that you're trying to put into your mm-hmm. daily life that helps your sobriety stay thriving and strong or a mocktail? You
0: yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, books and podcasts and those types of things are always in my routine. Um, I think it's really important to stay in the topic of sobriety, um, especially if you're early in the journey, you know, one of the things that I recommend to a lot of my clients, um, and my groups is stay connected to the sober topic every day, even if it's for 10 minutes, a podcast, one chapter of a sobriety book. If you need a book idea, you can go ahead and pre-order my new book. Um, (laughs) even though it's coming out later this year, but you'll get it just in time for dry January. So, um, you can place your order now and you'll get it for them. But, you know, I'm, I'm always from a, a supplement and nutrition standpoint, I'm kind of always implementing, like I said, new things. And I always take supplements because that's it's a huge part of what I do. It helps me stay energized. It helps me stay kind of on foot. One thing that I am doing right now and, you know, in going through my own health experiences too, um, I'm actually I recently went completely gluten free, which is something cool. that You know, I have a lot of my clients do when they have maybe an autoimmune disease or they have something else going on that validates the need for gluten free and um, actually through some health things and what what's been going on in my own personal story, I made the decision to go gluten free and it's really affected my energy in a positive way. Um, My mood has really helped me. And I've been doing more research on this topic lately that actually people with mood disorders, so anxiety, depression, there can be a link with inflammation caused by gluten. This is not necessarily for every single person, but if you experience anxiety and or depression, it's worth giving going gluten-free a try because it can potentially influence the gut bacteria, influence... Um, you know, some of the mechanisms that put stress on your gut and can change mood and energy and kind of make you feel more sluggish. So that's kind of a newer thing that I'm doing and talking a little bit more about. Um, And again, it's not, not that, you know, that huge percentage of the population has a gluten allergy per se, but, um, it's been something that for me, for some of my clients has been really beneficial. So, you know, it's always fun to explore these different things. There's so much research on this stuff. And so for me, it's all about just kind of taking these pieces one by one and sharing them off to you all as they kind of come to a head. So that's why I love doing, you know, posting these things on Instagram and helping to inspire people because sometimes it's little changes. I know gluten can seem like a big change, but, um, you know, it's, one kind of change that can really have a huge impact overall on your yeah
1: totally and keeping that mood in a good place is Mm -hmm. very important to sobriety it keeps you strong it keeps you clear-headed hot nice little plug there and it keeps you moving forward so i love that i'm gonna try it i'm gonna try it good
0: i recommend
1: thank you so much for your time and energy i'm gonna come see you when i'm in new york Please do.
0: Anytime. (laughs) Come on down. I have an office downtown. Okay.
1: For more guidance on building your sober care routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at (laughs) clearheaded.co.